Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I am doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm actually really excited that uh, tournaments are starting to show up again. I heard about Anzio Jam 8, and I wanted to yeah. say congratulations to Kuba and Chesco for climbing the ladder from seeing seventh all the way to first place. What a great performance. I heard it was live streamed, but I wasn't able to tune in. Were you able to see it, Randy? Yeah, I actually was able to catch a little bit of it. So I tuned in and just the first couple teams were coming up and then I had to leave. But I actually got to see Kuba and Chesco do their run. And uh, it was really amazing. I think I just watched something special. So yeah, congrats to Kuba the Rad One Radwanski and Francesco Santolini. It was a shred fest. They had spontaneity. They had flow. It was just an all-you-could-eat guidus buffet, and uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend uh, searching it out and and take a look. The other thing that I wanted to do is to give a shout-out to all the Capacota women jammers. I've seen the videos and pictures on Facebook, and it's just so awesome to see all of the talent that's sprouting up and all of the jammers that are just just really grabbing our attention. The world is taking notice. Thank you and keep shredding. Yeah, definitely. Indeed. The world has taken notice for sure. So why don't we jump into today's episode? We are going to continue our conversation with Tommy Leitner. And uh, we finished up our last conversation with him telling us about his journey in the 80s and his first big victory in 1986 with Skippy Jammer at the World Disc Games. And we're going to continue that conversation now. Enjoy. Well, it's, it's also interesting hearing you talk, too, because this is the time where I wasn't even involved with Frisbee. So you kind of had this whole run. I didn't even, you know, our paths didn't cross till much later, like in the 90s and stuff. So really cool for me to be able to hear your journey that I had no idea about. So, um, so I got to meet you. I got to meet you in 88, Randy. It was the Santa Barbara uh, world. And you had a mustache. I yes. did. And you, you, I loved you from the the moment I swear you were so funny and so unpredictable <laughs> and so like who is this? Guy? I'm just gonna start following this guy around. I don't know who he is. He's some old player. I don't even know if he plays anymore. But man, this guy is so weird. I didn't know who you were. And Skippy's like, yeah, yeah, that's Randy Sylvie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna follow him around for a while. He's an odd bird, man. Be careful of his feathers. <laughs> if you were, if you had been a baseball player, you would have been Mark the Bird Fidrich. Wow. Yes. Totally okay. unpredictable. Totally. Uh, he he had the crowd at the edge of the seat every time he took the mound because you didn't know what was going to happen. Well, if you're going to tell me what kind of baseball player I would be, so what kind of baseball player would who would Jake well, be? Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking Dave Winfield because of the wingspan, possibly. Dave Winfield, also a very kind-hearted, you know, but very talented uh, Hall of Fame player. So, yeah, I'm good with that. Wow. So, shooting the Frisbees with Mark Fidrich and Dave Winfield. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. All right. Okay. Enough about us. Let's get back to Skippy here. So that's cool. So your partnership has begun with a bang. And talk to us about how it develops after that, kind of the philosophy. I know Skippy was a huge, had a huge impact on just your style of game and how you approached it. So kind of flesh that out a little bit more for us. He didn't teach me anything. All I did was play with him and watch him. And something would happen about five or 10 minutes before the round, where suddenly he'd get this look in his eye and... I'd just be like, uh-oh, holy crap. I mean, he'd just get this intense focus. Every cell of his body was just, just in another sort of, I don't know, plane of ex- existence. So I'd be like, oh, I need to kind of try to follow what he's doing, but I don't know if I can do it. And then he'd just get into the zone. He'd just start hitting all of his moves in practice. I'm like, maybe we should calm down. And settle down before, no, he wanted to be at the top of his game right before walking on the field. I'm like sweating and da-da-da and hitting every hard move right before he walked out. And I'm like, oh God, am I ready for this? <laughs> and then in the routine itself, he had a more calmness to him, but he didn't lose that eye of the time. And that's the, probably the biggest thing I learned from Skippy. Um, the other thing is that he told me once, I told you that Larry told me about saving the disc. I go, hey, Skippy, what should I work on? He's like, work on your footwork. And he didn't explain what that meant at all. And so I just started every time, the next time I played, I'm like, you know what? Instead of taking two steps, I'm going to try to take four steps. I'm going to try to take as many steps. And I guess that's footwork. So I started moving my feet, moving my feet, moving my feet. And kind of, I never stopped. So if you, and maybe one of the things that's helped me through the years is playing in uneven wind and going and reacting and changing positions and and being able to, to play that style. So yeah, that's, those are the two biggest things I think he taught me. So he taught you the eye of the tiger and the footwork of Ali. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That's pretty powerful, you know? Yeah. I mean, Skippy always, you know, he seemed to be able to step up in the moment right when it mattered most. And he really gave that gift to you and you excelled at that tenfold moving forward. So I know that you guys, you know, you had a really strong relationship outside of Frisbee and off the court. And so I I know from talking with Skippy a little bit that you guys had this epic hiking experience in Yosemite. And I'm wondering if you can kind of share how that went and how that kind of deepened your friendship in a way that nothing else could. So maybe you could share some of that. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about my life and if somebody would ask me, do you ever get close to actually dying? I'll go, yeah, there's there's three times where I came close to really dying. And two, two of those times was at Yosemite. One of those times was with Skippy during that backpacking trip. So um, let me give you a little background on this story. So Skippy and I um, show up to the U.S. Open and we're playing with JJ. We brought JJ out of, out of retirement. And we end up having a really great round. I, I feel bad just thinking about it because we had like one drop down to the last 30 seconds. And I dropped the last two and we got a second. But taking second, we got $400 each. Well, it was summertime. So Skippy's off work. I'm off school. Like, well, what are we going to do? We got $400. Go backpacking. So we drive from the U.S. Open up to Yosemite, you know, get get some um, supplies and stuff. We hike up to a 10,000-foot lake uh, just under Cathedral Pass. And um, Cathedral, the Cathedral Range, 
Ranges, a mountain range that are these spires that look like a cathedral. It's it's in the near Tuolumne Meadow in the north part of Yosemite. So we're camping up there, and uh, Skippy is like, "Hey, you know what? I used to rock climb when I was younger, and I want to climb to the top of cathedral." And I look up, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's some people climbing now with ropes." And oh no, no, we're not going to use ropes. I'm like, Skippy. So we end up climbing up and I'm like, well, if we go around this side, we don't have to go up this rock face. He's like, yeah, but you know what? I kind of want to climb up this rock face. So he starts climbing up this face of the wall and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to follow him. So I get halfway up and Skippy gets to the top and he's like, hey, hey, don't go back down. Don't try this. And I'm already halfway up. Well, he goes to the other side of the, um, so he can't see me anymore. He goes to the other side of the of the um, the rock face, and I'm I'm starting to make my way down. I have two handholds and a foothold. Well, I lose my foothold, and now I'm I'm holding on with my fingertips. I look down, and it's about a sixty foot drop onto rock. And Skippy, Skippy, he can't hear me. And I'm struggling, struggling, and finally, finally, I get the foothold back, and I and I get off of this sketchy part. I come back down, you know, I make it to the top of this, um, the the base of the uh, the cathedral. Skippy goes up and solos the spires, gets to the very top, comes back down. Luckily, I brought some wine up there, and I'm drinking the wine. He's like, "Why are you drinking so fast?" I'm like, <sighs> "I just saw my mom. I saw my first bicycle. I saw my whole life." Flash. He doesn't realize. But anyway, go back down and we're like back to the campsite. We start to jam like, hey, let's try this, this move. And we create this new co-op. Of course, the name of the co-op is OK. And uh, so this this backpacking trip kind of, you know, not only made us closer friends and everything. And, you know, eventually the next day we ended up swimming out to an island in this 10,000 foot lake. And we didn't, I had tequila, but we, of course, didn't have a line. But I did have, do you remember Gator, uh, not Gatorade, um, Bob, what's it called? The little powder thing that you put into a drink. Oh, God, I think it still does exist. Anyway, this kind of lemony, um, sugary thing that you put into a drink. So anyway, I had it and we ma- we make these little margaritas with ice uh, snow that was up in the mountain. And we're, we're, we're drinking on this little island at 10,000 feet. And um, anyway, that's kind of, I don't know what this has to do with Frisbee, but it's definitely part of what, you know, made us become closer friends and closer partners. Well, I, I think it has a lot to do with Frisbee because Frisbee is what drove you to go there. And, you know, <laughs> having an almost death experience and then having, you know, margaritas made out of ice from Cathedral. Ovaltine. I mean. Ovaltine. No, Ovaltine's not a lemony. Lemon. They had a lemon Ovaltine. Yes, they had a lemon Ovaltine. They did. Wow, that sounds horrible. (laughs) But the tequila with the ice and tequila was perfect. And I even brought brought out a little goober out there. Um, But swimming through the water, my 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 lighter didn't work. Um, So we just drank the margarita, and then right before going back. That suddenly the lighter started working again. Anyway, yes, oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. There's another story that Skippy told us about. I don't know what it is, but it says hitchhiking back from Rainbow Festival and getting picked up by Skippy. I don't okay. remember, but I do. I do remember 
<laughs> I remember that's, you know, I remember hiking, hitchhiking from festivals, from dead shows and everything else. Um, and I remember them saving me more than one time. Uh, but I, another, <laughs> another kind of cool story that Skippy loves is actually with Joey. <laughs> so um, I'm driving up to a ball and um, <laughs> with Joey and we're going to a baseball game to meet my mom. And we're driving up in the truck or something, and we're almost into the parking lot at Candlestick Park to see the Giants. But a car kind of swerves into our lane. I go, oh, what the? And I just like, what are you doing? Da, da. I look back, and it's my mom. Oh, <laughs> Joey's just going, that's your mom. I'm like, oh, sorry, mom. Um, could you put on the blinker next time, please? <laughs> True story. Glad that she swerved back because that would not have been good to have lost you and Joey so early. Oh, one more quick story that Joey, um, a Joey story. So Joey came out once to our, our beach tournament, the Manresa tournament and camped the weekend and everything else. And, uh, and it was kind of in a tough time that, that during that period of his life. So, he, you know, he's kind of going, oh, God, now I'm going back to Santa Barbara, I drive him to the airport. But by the way, I'm like, well, um, Joe, on the way to the airport, I'm going to give you a ride. Um, but we need to fill up our car because we're on our way to Burning Man. And he's like, okay, whatever, that's fine. So our car's all filled up and da, da, da. at the airport. He's got his ticket. Okay, Joe, have a nice flight. By the way, what about if you just eat the ticket and come with us to Burning Man? He's like, what? Yeah, we've got extra food and water. Okay. So from, from the airport parking lot, we take a U-turn and we drive to Burning Man. Really cool, right? Everyone dressed up everyone's riding these crazy decorated uh even couches are made into driving vehicles so um we're walking through the burning man and they're like hey we're the talent camp do you guys have a talent if you win we'll give you this wonderful necklace of burning man i look at joey looks at me hey we got the frisbee right okay we'll play frisbee she takes one look at us and goes no that's not good enough I'm like, yeah, but we can't. No, you know what? If you do it, um, whoop, we drop our drawers and we jam. He does a guide us. I do a bad attitude. And I, we look back at the girl and she goes, yeah, okay. And she gives us our necklaces. We both still have our, our, ne our Burning Man necklaces. <laughs> so you needed to do a naked guide us to get the thumbs up. That's it. That's it. You know, you just can't expect, you know, it's just going to be all laid out for you on a, you know, on a platter. No, come on. And naked guidance ain't easy. I mean, I've never done oh. guidance, but a naked guidance, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. The naked bad attitude sounds uh, a little more interesting because you're kind of exposing yourself a little bit more. <laughs> I don't need that exposure. Oh, sorry for that. Sorry for that image. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. So, Tommy, you told us about your first win with Skippy. Can you tell us about some of your other more memorable wins with him? Well, yeah, it's funny because Skippy, if you, when people ask, like, oh, what was your best win or whatever, and I would say, like, you know, maybe the 86 win or, or something else, and Skippy always would say, it was 1989 and me and Tommy. I'm like, okay, so this was the best win, Skippy? Because I remember turning my ankle right before we walked out for, to play the finals. Once again, we're like the fifth seed in the finals. It's Santa Barbara. It's Joey and Chip and their hometown. They shred. They do a triple spinning leg over. Uh, like Joey does a triple, and instead of catching it, he leg overs it, and Chip goes in the flaws it or something. They, they played good, had a few drops, maybe four drops. Skippy and I get out on the field, 
And of course, now we have this new co-op called Cathedral. So um, we hit the co-op Cathedral. I go for a tipping combo. And it just, by coincidence, the song changes the rhythm and goes right to the perfect rhythm of the tipping combo. Don't tell anyone. That wasn't planned, right? Um, and, and, you know, Skip is doing all his against moves and everything else. And, well, uh, we, we win. So Skippy always thought that that was the, maybe the greatest victory because it's almost kind of like beating magic in the finals on his home floor. Like these guys were the greatest players ever. It's Chip and Joe. It's their hometown. And we're kind of like, you know, definitely the underdogs. And, and so, yeah, that, that was a really solid. That was 1989. Yeah. But it sounds like that wasn't your most memorable one. It was Skippy's. So what was your most memorable one? Okay, that's a great question. For me, it was a 91. And Skippy doesn't probably want to talk about it because not that he doesn't want to talk about it, but it's not his favorite. So we're in the finals. By the way, in the semifinals at Green Lake, it rained. And we had one of our great, it's not on video, but the disc was wet. We were doing more skids and more incredible. We played great. So we make it to the finals. Now we're in the finals. Our routine's going well. Have a little drop. And like, okay, Skippy's doing his indie. He's going for his patented spinning barrel. He drops it. And at that point, I go, okay, it's on me. It's on me. It's do or die right now. I'm going to do the hardest move that I think I can do and if we have any chance of winning. So I do a triple spinning pull and some catch. And then it throws me a counter. I do there. I turn it over. I do an upside down. I do a Lairps kick and go directly into the ollie. And then we win. And I'm like, damn, okay, Skippy's usually the one carrying me. I finally got to carry him. And uh, we ended up winning the co-op as well that year. But uh, yeah, that, was, that to me was one of my most memorable rounds because it, it kind of proved to myself that I could be the one to, 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 to stand up and, and kind of take over. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was the one. The last one was it was a 94, and that was the fired up. That was a fired up year. Big, the most famous Frisbee party, whatever. That's when uh, basically we're doing the routine with Larry, and we're choreographing the routine. We're like, well, we have this song, and in the middle of the song, suddenly he says, one of these days, I'm going to smash you into little pieces. Dun, dun, dun. It's a song called, uh, and so at that point, the song goes crazy. It's like, why don't we just let Tommy take it and do a brushing run at that point? So we're doing this co-op, and Skippy does this um, kind of didge shoot. Very few people do that. And I go into behind the back, bad attitude, rim delay, back to Skippy's roll, Larry rolls, and I get a roll. And we do it all perfectly consecutively. So and now I take the disc. So I go on this kicking run, and I think the video was just recently published, but um, I go on a kicking run, and then, okay, it's way out there. I'm like, good, now I get to run. Kick it again, kick it again. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm running out of space. I'm running out of time. I have to go for guidus. So I do a lefty guidus tumbling out, and now I have to throw it all the way back to those guys. They're like literally like 30 meters. And I throw it, I throw it back. And, and now it's the last co-op. Set it up. Skippy does a Arvond pull into Larry's scarecrow. Easiest move we can possibly do for to finish. It hits Larry's hand in the hand and starts to go third world. I watch this in slow motion. 
Larry reaches for the disc and he misses it by a millimeter. I reach for the disc. I miss it by a millimeter. It goes to the ground. And we look down and go, oh. And then we realize that was the only drop. And like, oh, we ended up winning maybe my one of, for sure, one of my favorites. And my brother was there to watch it too. And, you know, rest in peace. Uh, uh, so that was a real special moment. One thing that's really cool in hearing you tell that about Skippy and Larry is that it was sort of here were your your mentors kind of passing the baton to you and letting you become the master. So your first oh. uh, learnings from Larry was that he told you to always go for it. Don't don't give up. Scramble. And then Skippy is telling you about, you know, he's teaching you the eye of the tiger. So in those two stories there, you have that moment at Green Lake where you're like, oh, my God, it's on me. And you grabbed the eye of the tiger and you became that and you did it. And you kind of took that gift from Skippy and now you're becoming the master. And then here you're talking about this scramble run and Larry, you know, is giving you that gift early on saying, go get it, man, go get it. And so here are your two mentors, you know, your teachers have given you this and you've now elevated your game and become the master that you are. So that's really cool to see that connection in those two accounts. So thank you for sharing that. I'd never thought about that before, Randy. That's such an awesome way to put it. And really, I never really, that you have a gift. So awesome. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it was really neat to hear Tommy tell the story and have you sum it all up about how he got those gifts from his mentor and then just was able to go and use them in competition in front of his mentors and really just pay it forward, I guess, in a way, Uh, which makes me a little contemplative about the mentors that I've had and how they've influenced me. And I mean, Skippy and Tommy were both huge mentors. Larry was also a mentor for me in that when I was finally starting to kind of break out and go to big tournaments and people were noticing me and wanting to play with me. He was one of the first people who partnered up with me, he and Pat Marin, and we played in uh, 2003. But the main shout out I want to give is to Mike Esterbrook because he was the he was the captain of our little jam pod in Santa Rosa and basically taught me from zero to uh, to what I am now. Mike would go to competitions. So when I was really, really new, Mike would go to competitions and then he'd come back and he'd teach us what he learned and i think that we were indirectly getting lessons from skippy and tommy because mike went to one of the beach tournaments that they had and he came back and he said you know what these guys are doing now is they're passing it to each other and then they pass it back and they roll it up and they just try to keep it going for as long as they can until the right moment and then they catch it and when he told us that the entire jam style changed and that's just the way that we played from that moment forward and that is still my favorite way to play is that mob op connecting with your partner style. And I really got that from Mike. So I just want to say thanks, Mike, for going to that tournament and bringing that back to us. And uh, it really makes me happy to play that way even to this day. Um, what about you, Randy? Do you have any stories about mentors? That is such an interesting question because, you know, I don't know if I can really say that I've had any mentors. I've definitely had people that were influential to me because, you know, I ended up having to play by myself and do solo routines. So I was really kind of in my own world. And uh, 
And then I kind of checked out for a long time. And uh, then I came back in the the late 80s. So I didn't really have like a mentor that kind of guided me through stuff. I was always just kind of on my own track. And actually makes me think there's kind of a funny story. The very first tournament that I came back, uh, I was playing with... um, Jeff Kruger and Craig Burris. And, you know, we're coming up with this really cool routine. We're still kind of working on some of the rough edges. And, and uh, you know, we're going through the motions and and we're kind of having a bit of a struggle. And Rick Castigli, of all people, comes up and he can see that this is going on. He's like, hey, let me give you guys a hand. Let me kind of give you some ideas. And I was like, no, no, this is our vision. I, you know, and even at that early time in my career, I was very protective. Like I didn't want to take any hints or advice or mentorship. And, and, you know, from a hall of famer, Rick Castigli, and I'm like the kind of the new guy back on the scene and a little humbling to look back on that and like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't take him up on, you know, what he was about to offer. So, well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, there, maybe there was a missed opportunity to learn from Rick, but at the same time, People love the routines that you come up with. Whenever Randy's on the card, there's just a certain amount of excitement because people know they're going to see something that they didn't expect, something that's different. And maybe that mentality of, no, I'm going to do this myself is really what leads to the individuality that Randy Silly has. Yeah, well, maybe there's some truth to that. So, And on that note, Randy, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!